Congratulations on making it past the first round of the fantasy playoffs. Good for you. But there's no time to catch your breath. That's right. It's week 15 waiver wire considerations. That's what we're doing right now. And as always, there will be timestamps down in the description because it's time to reload and get ready to get through one more week until it's championship time. But as always, I'd say before that, I got a few things to cover. And the first one being that I encourage everyone to leave comments in the description down below. You guys just flooded us with comments last week, and I really appreciate it. It was just a joy to see so many people appreciating what we do and looking for some help. I didn't answer quite nearly as many people as I would like to. But man, I was answering questions left and right, and it was a lot of fun. The other thing being, I would suggest to you guys, and I posted about this recently, go check out our Instagram. I've been posting a lot of things on there that you can't get on the YouTube channel, just some additional content um, that I've actually really enjoyed doing. For example, if you haven't seen our Instagram page yet, you didn't see the post, I bet you, you couldn't tell me how many rushing touchdowns the top five fantasy quarterbacks have combined for so far this season. So I'll tell you right now, the answer is probably going to surprise you quite a bit. But let's move on with that. Let's just start talking about the video and the first few guys that you need to be considering this week to help bolster your lineup and push you to a championship and put you in place to rub it in all of your friends' faces. So if you're looking for a quarterback this week, I think the first guy you need to look at is probably Ryan Tannehill. 53% available. As always, it's nice to see that he's going to be fairly widely available for a lot of you guys out there. Uh, looking at his situation, there's a lot of reasons to like him. For starters, he plays the Houston Texans this week, which give up the fifth most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. And um, I don't need to tell most of you this, but uh, a rookie quarterback in his second game by the name of Drew Locke for a previously struggling and blundering offense went in lit up that Texans team. So yeah, I definitely think there's a lot of room in this game for him to have huge success. Um, but it's not just looking forward, it's looking back. They, they say really the best way that you can tell uh, what a person's going to do, the way they're going to act is by their history. How have they acted in the past? And in the past, Ryan Tannehill has performed very well. Since taking over as the quarterback for the Titans, he has been phenomenal, and especially over the last few games. Last game, of course, he scored 33 fantasy points. Two games ago, he scored 34 fantasy points. It's been insane. In fact, get this. I believe his last seven games is that he scored 25, 21, 25, 22, 33, 16, and 33 fantasy points. He has been absolutely phenomenal. He has just been far and away the, just the life breathing, just life breathing into this Titans offense. I don't even know how to explain it. Not just what he's doing in the passing game. He just threw for 330, or excuse me, 391 yards and three touchdowns last week. But don't forget what he's doing on the ground. For example, back-to-back -back weeks, he had 37-plus rushing yards in those games. He's a guy who's going to get you, if you need him to, you know, the carries, the first downs, he just moves the chains. He's a playmaker. And again, the fantasy value has absolutely been there. I'm beginning to trust Ryan Tannehill more than I trust a lot of other guys, even the big names, even the uh, Aaron Rodgerses and the Russell Wilsons, because he has just been that phenomenal. And of course, the matchup really plays into his favor. Like I said, with the rushing earlier, he's got three rushing touchdowns on the season. And in fact, last I checked, he was a top five fantasy quarterback this season, which is absolutely crazy. And he is a guy that you absolutely need to be considering because I'm going to tell you after this week, he won't be 53% available. But let's move on to the next guy you need to consider. Drew Locke, I mentioned him briefly, um, but didn't talk too much about him. He's another guy to consider. He's 98% available, so I can almost guarantee you he's out there. And I'll start off by saying, yeah, there's a lot of risk involved with him, but there's certainly a lot of upside. 
He plays the Chiefs this week, who give up the 10th most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. And next week, week 16, fantasy championship time, he plays the Lions, who allow the 7th most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. So he's got back-to-back -back great matchups. Again, I don't trust him a whole lot. I don't think in a 12-team league I'd be starting him. But if you're in a 16-team league or a two-quarterback league, then yes, that's absolutely one of those plays to make. Uh, he threw for 309 yards and three touchdowns versus the Texans last week. And the week before, he threw two touchdowns. His yardage markers were low, but he was effective, and they won. And again, he was effective against a Chargers pass defense, allowing the sixth-fewest fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. Uh, the Broncos' offense has just been completely revitalized by his appearance, and they are 2-0 and with him. Without him, they are 3-8. and So this guy, at least currently, is looking like the real deal. And I'm going to say it right now, I think that he's going to have some struggles. He's going to have some sophomore slump. He's going to have some downside. And I think there are going to be times where people are going to question, is Drew Locke a solid NFL quarterback? But at least as of right now, we have to look and say, hey, he's certainly looking like he's getting the job done, and he has been far in a way one of the most important pieces of that offense over the last two games and of that team as a whole it's a very exciting time to be a broncos fan that's for sure uh, what about jacoby Brissett? now he is 63 percent available and the thing that i like most about him is his matchup next week versus the new orleans saints they give up the 11th most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. And remember, they allowed 348 yards and four touchdowns last game versus the 49ers. So that was Jimmy Garoppolo absolutely lit them up, and the Saints lost 48-46. I believe that was, in fact, the highest scoring game of the season so far. So, yeah, it's one of those matchups he benefits from. And he's coming off of a week with 250 yards and two touchdowns. And the week before, he threw 319 yards. The emergence of Zach Pascal has been good, and we're going to talk about a guy named Marcus Johnson later who's been good, Jack Dole. He's certainly got some weapons, and one of the things that helps him, of course, is that Marlon Mack is back. All in all, he's not a perfect start, but the matchup is great, and he's played fairly well recently. We all remember how hot he started the season. He looked like just an elite quarterback through the first five games. He looked fantastic. Then he, he slowed down for about three or four weeks. Those were some really tough matchups in there. T.Y. Hilton goes down, and yet you got some, some issues there for sure. And then the last few weeks, he started to kind of get back on pace to where he was when he started the year. So Jacoby Brissett is certainly a guy to look at this week, though there are many quarterbacks that I've talked about. Finally, Matthew Stafford. Now, we all know about his injury, so I'm not going to attest or talk about his injury yet. That's what the Friday injury update video is for. But here's the fact of the matter. If he plays, he is a must start. It is plain and simple, clear as day. He is a must start. If he plays this week, here's why he's a must start. He plays the Bucks, giving up the second most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. Over his last five games, he's averaging over 300 yards. And over his last three games, he has thrown four, three, and three touchdowns. He's thrown 364 yards, 342 yards, and 406 yards. And he has scored 33 and a half, 25 and a half, and 35.8 fantasy points. So he has been just absolutely phenomenal. Marvin Jones is a great wide receiver. Kenny, Kenny Galladay is too. Danny Amendola is not a bad wide receiver three. With Bo Scarborough in the backfield, they've started to figure that out a little bit. And the best part is that defense is horrendous. If they're going to win games, it is through their passing game and scoring a lot of points. 
So I love Matthew Stafford. Again, there's a very good chance that he he maintains or is continuing to be hurt. He doesn't play, right? There's a very good chance that happens. Um, but pay attention because if he plays, he's pretty much a must start and one of those guys that could have monstrous fantasy value and push you over the edge. All right, guys, now to start off the running backs, we've got Raheem Mostart, who, for me, is an absolute must-pick-up. And of all the running backs we're going to talk about today, at least for me, is the most exciting, the guy I like the most. He is 49% available, so he'll essentially be out there for half of you guys. And the way that he has played has been great. Last week, he had 10 carries for 69 yards and a touchdown, throwing two catches on just two targets for 40 yards and a touchdown. That was great, and it was against a Saints defense, allowing the fourth fewest fantasy points to opposing running backs. So yeah, that's a really good matchup. Now, there's some more things. It wasn't just last week. A couple of weeks ago, he had six carries for 45 yards and a touchdown with a 22-yard catch. And then in between those weeks, he had 19 carries, 146 yards, and a touchdown with two catches for eight yards. He's a very versatile back. He is in an offense that loves to use him and loves to run the ball. And they're really starting to figure some things out there. Four touchdowns in the last three games, and he has had five catches in those games, turning those into quite a bit amount of yards. I believe he has had, what, 70 receiving yards in those three games with a solid yards per carry, mind you. He's just been so effective. I love this guy. The only thing that holds him back, and it's it's minor, I guess, and that's that Matt Bright is there and Tevin Coleman's there, and they are getting touches. It is a running back by committee as of right now. But are you actually going to ask me, first of all, Running back by committee, the guy had 19 carries and two targets just two weeks ago. He had 12 touches last week. I mean, he, he's first of all, he's really growing in that offense. And for a running back by committee system, he gets more carries than most running backs in those committees would get. Finally, if you want a guy who's this productive, this talented, and this type of offense at 50% available, there's got to be a catch, and that's really the only catch for him. However, I love this guy. He is so fast. I watched this just solid run by him today, a touchdown run. He just bursts. I mean, just burst. There was barely a hole to make. I don't know how he did it, but man, he is one of the fastest running backs in the NFL right now. He's so explosive and quick, and he's the first guy you should consider, but let's move on to the second guy. I'd absolutely take a look at Ronald Jones Jr. I always have a hard time pronouncing that, but uh, he's 37% available and he hasn't been phenomenal. But I think for me, he, he checks off three boxes that I really like. For starters, he plays the Lions this week. Awful defense as a whole and an awful run defense. They give up the third most fantasy points to opposing running backs. So you got to love the matchup. Um, the other thing being that last week he had four catches. He was very much slowed down because it was a good run defense and it was a high scoring game. So that hurt him. But he did have four catches out of it and he's averaging 4.25 catches a game over the last four games. Remember just a few weeks ago, he had like 70 plus receiving yards on like seven or eight catches. So it's something that we know he can do. And that really, for me, gives me a lot more confidence in him. It's really nice to see that even if they get blown out, he's going to be the guy in that offense. And that's one of the boxes that he checks for me. We've got matchup. We've got his you know ability to catch out of the backfield. And the final one being that he is the guy. I mean, if you are looking through the waiver wire, sifting for a running back of all positions, which is thin for talent, are you really going to sit here and tell me that like that's not enough for you? Yeah, it's not great, but you're going to find another running back out in free agency who is the guy with a good matchup who can catch the ball out of the backfield. Again, I don't love him. I don't adore him, but he's certainly good enough and certainly a guy that must be owned. 
Second guy's got to be Bo Scarborough. Now, I think that Bo is not the fanciest, most exciting player out there, but there's a lot of reasons to like him. He is 59% available, which of course does help. And his touch have really increased recently. He went from 14 touches to 19 touches to 21 touches in this last week up to 22 touches. Now, he's had just one catch all year long, and that's one of the things that really gets people on him. He's not PPR specific. He's not a PPR stud. If their team gets behind big, his carries, his touches are somewhat limited, though they've been behind big in many games, and he still managed the touches that he has. So I think that's a bit of a misnomer. His yards per carry aren't great. He averages 3.4 yards per carry last game, but that was against one of the best run defenses in the NFL in the Minnesota Vikings, and the Minnesota won by quite a bit of points, so that hurt him. Um, however, if you take out that game, he's got a yards per carry of 4.4. So he's actually been very effective. You don't have to love him, but at 59, 60% available, he is certainly a solid option, especially in standard leagues. And he has cemented himself, and I use that word cement pretty intentionally, he has cemented himself in the role as the number one running back in the uh, in that offense for right now. You don't have to start him every week. You, def you definitely could have better options than him. Not saying you have to start him, but you do have to pick him up with his production and volume. It's surprising to see that he's even out there in leagues. But let's move on. Let's get talking about the next guy. Uh, Benny Snell is another guy to take a look at. He is 44% available. Now, before we get into anything, there's one catch with him. The catch is that James Conner might be back. If James Conner is not back and he is out for another week, Benny Snell has value this week, but he doesn't have super long-term value. He doesn't have keeper league value because once Conner comes back, his role is completely relegated. However, he has 172 yards on 32 touches. That's 5.3 yards per touch. He also plays the Buffalo Bills next week. That's a tough game against a good defense, but this offense has been on quite a roll lately. And if Conner is out, he is certainly a safe pick for some volume. And I think he's a little bit more viable in the passing game than a guy like Bo Scarborough is. But this one, all in all, is pretty straightforward. It's all going to depend on James Conner. Again, pick him up, own him. And then once you have control over him, once you own him, then you can decide to keep him, to let him go, to do whatever you want based off James Conner's health. But, you know, make that move now while you still can before somebody else scoops him up. Uh, the final running back I want to talk about is Patrick Laird. I probably am saying that wrong, but at this point, I don't even care. Um, he has not great. He's averaging just 2.7 yards per carry. However, if you're in very deep leagues, he's a guy to consider for a few reasons. One, he's 80% available. So if you are in a 16-team league with deep benches, then you probably don't have a whole lot of other choices, and I completely understand that. The things that I do like about him is that he's averaging three and a half catches and 33 yards a game over the last four games. So he is very much a part of that passing game and very much a part of coming out of the backfield and catching and helping, I guess, move the chains forward or whatever. Ryan Fitzpatrick has played well lately, well enough that they're averaging 25 points a game over the last four games. So I like that this offense is starting to move the ball. I like that he's involved in the passing game, and he could possibly be used as some sort of low-end flex play in PPR leagues. Um, but if nothing more, he can come help round out your roster as, you know, a running back four or running back five, which for me at this point in the season seems fair enough. All right, so to start off the wide receivers, for me, Debo Samuel's got to be the first guy to talk about. He's 31% available, and there is a lot to like about this guy. He's under a Shanahan offense that has been very effective. 
He's under an offense with a good quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo started the year. It was rough, but they add a guy like Emmanuel Sanders. They develop their rookie, Debo Samuel, and they really get their offense going. And I like that. And heck, they just scored 48 points on the Saints. But I like this matchup coming up this week versus the Falcons. That defense is a awful mess right now, and that is it's just going to be a great week for him. Additionally, he's averaging 18 fantasy points a game over the last five games. Now, that is in PPR leaks, but I don't care which way you spin it. He's been very effective. And one of the reasons he's been so effective and able to get the job done, um, I don't know if you guys like, do you see the numbers? Are you actually watching the 49ers game? Because if you have a chance to watch Debo Samuel play, I love to watch him play. He is so physical. I just, it's great. He's there. I don't know many wide receivers out there that are able to push and shove and hit and be as physical as he is. And that's going to translate really well going forward because remember, he's a rookie. This guy's a rookie wide receiver and he is playing like a fairly solid veteran. He's playing fairly well. So I like Debo Samuel a lot. And quite honestly, I'm going to go far enough to say that I like Emmanuel Sanders, but in my book, Debo Samuel is the number one wide receiver in San Francisco. That may be a controversial opinion, but I fully believe that. And I can't wait to watch him fully develop and, and become one of the stud wide receivers in the NFL that I really think he can be. But I got another young wide receiver I want to talk about. And that's got to be Terry McLaurin. McLaurin is 33% available. He's been so effective. Plays the Eagles this week. Terrible pass defense. They give up the sixth most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. And the next week, it's not just one good matchup. Week 16, the championship week, he goes against the Giants. They give up the second most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. So he's got two, two very good matchups. Moving forward, he's got, so it's really funny. He starts the year with five touchdowns in his first five games with Case Keenum. Him and Case Keenum, they are just locked tight together. Great chemistry, awesome. Then Dwayne Haskins takes over, and it just, the whole offense is a mess. Haskins is not ready to start, and it hurts Terry McLaurin. And he has less chemistry with Terry McLaurin than he did with other wide receivers. So even when they were moving the ball, it was, you know, going to like a Paul Richardson or Richardson or other guys. Uh, but lately, things have really, they've started to get some extra chemistry. Uh, Dwayne Haskins has not been good, but he's been, uh, before I would say he was horrendous, and now I would say he's bad. <laughs> Uh, he, he is less bad than he was before. And he's got 14 catches, 200 plus yards, and a touchdown over the last four games. So things are starting to look up. And then again, these are two of the best matchups that he has had all year long. 33% available. He's out there in a third of all leagues. Absolutely own this guy and consider starting him as a wide receiver three for sure. Also like James Washington, man. James Washington is absolutely a guy to look at. 61% available, so more available than the last few guys we've talked about. And while he does play the Bills this week, who give up the 10th fewest fantasy points to opposing wide receivers, uh, the last five weeks he has played some, he's played a few tough defenses, in fact. And the weird thing is that the tougher the defense is, the better the team is. He's actually played a little bit better. We've seen in matchups in the past over the last couple of weeks where he actually seems to get a few more targets and a little bit more attention. And that causes him, uh, I guess, to have a little bit better of a fantasy day. He's actually averaging 14.8. So you could pretty much, honestly, you could round that up. We can call that 15 fantasy points a game over the last however many games it's been. Um, Fairly a significant amount of time. 
fact of the matter is you could dig into the details this and that and all of it uh, but with Juju Smith-Schuster down he has seriously stepped up and with Hodges in there he's looked good the last few games and I like him I don't absolutely love him this is a tough matchup but I'm not going to get in the start sit put him on your roster and of course in the right matchups the right weeks he can absolutely be played and because of his targets and his role in that offense he's safer than some other considerations that you're going to get off the waiver wire there's some other wide receivers we'll talk about that are very talented um, but they've got a very low floor they can have some games where they're very awful I feel like James White is not or excuse me James Washington I feel like James Washington is not ever going to just do nothing just disappear and have no targets I, I don't think that would happen to him um, at least the way he's been playing recently you absolutely have to look at Anthony Miller um, he's been very good lately he's 80% available um, and he's got a tough schedule ahead so that sucks but he does the one thing there's one thing that I think can help push a wide receiver through a tough schedule and that is volume if you get volume eventually the numbers will come and he's got volume with 11 targets 9 targets 13 and 4 that has been his last four games super high volume and it's produced numbers four games ago he had six catches for 54 yards six catches for 77 yards nine catches for 140 yards in the last game he got three of his four targets for 42 yards and he found the end zone that was also very encouraging he's a guy who until last week had not scored a touchdown which was starting to of course be a very major concern we're getting very late into the season but that's kind of uncharacteristic for him in the past he scored seven touchdowns as a rookie so it's something we know he can do maybe game scripts maybe lack of chemistry with Mitch Trubisky scheming whatever it may be seems to be what's held him back it's not that he's not talented enough to score touchdowns just something held him back again the thing I want to reiterate is I can understand with the lack of touchdowns being concerned with him but he did score one last week he's got more volume than most wide receivers you're going to go out there and find again remember three weeks in a row he had a three-week span of 11 9 and 13 targets and then again uh, he's 80 percent available so he's a great option for those of you who are in larger leagues um, and that's really nice because sometimes you watch waiver wire videos and you're in a 16 team league and you're like well this is boring these guys are already owned what do i do he should be out there in most leagues and that's really nice um, Zach Pascal this guy makes me very uncomfortable he is so inconsistent um, in fact the guy he makes me think of is T.Y. Hilton he has fantastic days huge numbers and then he just disappears but we'll talk about that in a second for starters he is 65 percent available and he's had back-to-back -back solid games the three prior straight games he combined for just four catches for 43 yards so he was absolutely awful in those games but he's played well back-to-back -back games he had seven catches 109 yards five catches 74 yards and a touchdown not to mention it was like six or seven weeks ago he had 106 yards and two touchdowns it was probably you know five six weeks ago or whatever he had five catches 76 yards and a touchdown so he's had some huge games he's been phenomenal in fact three of his last one two three four five, I don't know like eight games <laughs> um he's been very effective the problem is that in the other three games he has games like where he has like one catch for six yards and it's awful and it's really hard to keep up with um I don't trust him as a start but you have to own him that upside is huge and if you're desperate especially in daily fantasy uh I told my brother-in-law play him in daily fantasy I don't trust him I wouldn't put him wouldn't put my championship on it but in daily fantasy I like him quite a bit 
Um, the one thing that does concern me is that last week he played the Bucks, who allowed the most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. So that was the best matchup he's going to have all season. It equated to five catches, 74 yards, and a touchdown. So we could very well see going forward he couldn't that he may necessarily not do that again, just simply purely by facing tougher defenses. That was a very high-scoring game against a very bad defense. That's the one thing that makes me nervous with him. Coupled with, of course, the, the inconsistency, which is also another problem. But if you're looking for a gamble, Pascal is probably the gamble, kind of probably the guy to put your money on. Uh, 62% available is Cole Beasley. Take a look at him. His production lately has been phenomenal, and it has been tied to this Buffalo Bills mania. They have just been on fire lately, playing so well. Almost beat the Ravens last week. That was fun to watch. Um, any Bills fans out there, I'd love to hear from you. I was rooting for you guys just because I love chaos, and I love whoever the top team is to lose, just so everyone's scratching their head as to who is actually the best team and what the heck is going on. But anyways, Cole Beasley, He's been phenomenal. Now, the downside being he's got two tough matchups to finish the year out. The upside being in four of his last five games, he has played good defenses. And he's got six touchdowns in the last eight games. He's, he's been phenomenal. He's been very productive. And you look at like two weeks ago, seven targets, six catches, 110 yards. This guy's getting some fair amount of volume, fair amount of consistency in his production. What I like most about his production is it doesn't feel random to me. It has very much been tied to the improved play of Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, and this Bills offense as a whole. If it's just one guy suddenly playing well, it's hard to imagine he's going to be able to stick stick through it, just keep it up, whatever you want to say. Um, but when this offense as a whole is performing well, that gives me a lot more reasons to trust him. I like Cole Beasley quite a bit. He doesn't have the most upside, but man, he is a safe choice to plug and play. It is a solid wide receiver three just about every week. Um, A.J. Brown, oh, man, this guy, I love this guy. I'm excited to see what he can do. Now, he's 75% available. He's going to be out there for a lot of you guys. And for a lot of you guys, he's just what you're looking for. For starters, he is a rookie who is absolutely developing. He looks great, and he's turning into quite the wide receiver. Um, but this year hasn't statistically been the greatest year in the world for him. Uh, you know, he's not one of those. I remember uh, watching, like, was it 2011, I believe, Julio Jones coming out with A.J. Green. They were rookies, and I believe they both went over 1,000 yards. They looked phenomenal, or at least they both got close. Um, A.J. Brown's not going to go over 1,000 yards this year. At least it doesn't look like it. he's not going to have one of those rookie years for the ages. But that's because the first half of the season, he was held back by awful play from his quarterback in Marcus Mariota. It just... It was bad. But since getting Ryan Tannehill over, uh, in at quarterback, he's played a lot better. Now, the first few weeks were pretty good, but there were some inconsistencies, right? So one game he had four targets, one catch for 17 yards. The game before he had four catches, 81 yards, right? So there were some real inconsistencies there with, with Ryan Tannehill and him. But they really just had to work on their chemistry. The fact of the matter was... They hadn't played together enough. So we looked three games ago. He has four catches for 135 yards and a touchdown. Then he has a little bit of an off game, three catches, 45 yards. Not the best game, but it's understandable. And then the last game, he has five catches for 153 yards and two touchdowns. A.J. Brown is a monstrous playmaker with an offense that has been, and I said it before, revamped, revitalized, and restarted by just the phenomenal play of Ryan Tannehill, who is like my dark horse for MVP. He'll never win MVP. Ryan Tannehill won't. But my goodness, if they make playoffs, you have to give like 60% of the 
the credit to that guy. He's been insane. And his play has thus boosted A.J. Brown, who is one of those keepers that I have got my eye on. I love A.J. Brown right now. I'm excited to see what he can do in the future. Uh, finally, we got to talk about Marcus Johnson. I want to throw one more guy in there who is very risky. I don't necessarily trust him, but he's got huge upside, and I think he's worth talking about. This is Marcus Johnson, 99% available wide receiver for the Colts. Um, last game, he kind of burst onto the scene with seven catches, three or excuse me, seven targets, three catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Um, what I mean, burst onto the scene is kind of the first week where people are saying, "Look at this guy; he's playing well." This was far from the first good game he had. He caught all four of his targets for 38 yards and a touchdown just four weeks ago. And last week, he had six targets, four catches, and 55 yards. So he's slowly starting to work himself into that role. The problem being, Zach Pascal is there. Um, Paris Campbell is there. They've got Jack Doyle. Of course, it helps that they lost Eric Ebron. Of course, any game that T.Y. Hilton plays in, he is the number one wide receiver. They've got Marlon Mack in a fair running game. Naheem Hines and Wilkins can catch out of the backfield. There's so many weapons there that I don't trust him. But if you are desperate in a very deep league, or if you're looking for a keeper or just a guy to watch, I want to throw him on there because he, I want to throw him on there more, I guess, essentially as an honorable mention. Would I pick him up? Probably not. But should this guy get some credit for the way he's played lately? Yeah, he really should. And he, he's been fun to watch. Who knows if he'll keep it up? Who knows what his career will turn into at this point? But Marcus Johnson, again, is a guy to consider. And one more benefit to him, the next two games are against defenses, giving up the 11th and the 10th most fantasy points to wide receivers. So that does help too, and maybe that'll help him perform again over these next few games. But um, that's, again, just a guy to watch and see. Let's move on now. we got to talk about the tight ends. First guy is Noah Fant at 72% available. If you were looking for a bit of a gamble, he is the gamble tight end to take. The tight end position is so thin that when I began looking through waiver wire tight ends, I just start scratching my head like, is anybody even worth mentioning at this point? Or do I just say scrap it and don't put anyone in because it's not worth the time? Um, he is the guy with enough upside to be considered. Plays the Chiefs this week, which is great. They gave up the third most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. If there were ever a week for him to explode, this could very well be the, the, the week. He's also had two games with over 100 yards and a touchdown. They've both been fairly, uh, excuse me, fairly recently. And again, he's got a really the easiest matchup versus the Chiefs that he has had since he's gotten hot. In the last two games, that Colts, or excuse me, that Broncos offense has been just completely turned around by the play of Drew Locke, and he's seriously benefited from that. So I would love to see what he can do in this game, especially against the Chiefs. That could very well be a shootout. But again, there's a lot of gamble and a lot of risk in there, but it's like at this point, if you're looking and you're scrambling in a 16-team league and you just got to plug some random Joe Schmo in there, are you going to take Tyler Eifert, who's, you know, okay, or are you going to put Noah Fant in there? I definitely lean upside. Um, I've said this before, guys. My motto in the fantasy playoffs is mediocrity is failure. Average is failure. Par is failure. You cannot be average. You, you cannot be in the middle. You're playing against the better teams in your fantasy leagues, and you got to score points to win. So he's the guy to go to. Uh, honestly, I'd rather put a guy in there who risks getting me a zero but has the opportunity to get me a 25 than a guy who's guaranteed to get me a five but will never break 10. Um, but again, that is a risk assessment that you guys are going to have to do for your fantasy lineups.
So let's talk about Mike Gesicki. Now, he is 70% available, and I want to talk about him because he looks like a real keeper to watch for next year. Um, of course, in fantasy playoffs, we're not worried about keepers, but he's played hot lately. Minus last game. Last game, he had five targets, just one catch and six yards. It was not a great day. I believe they set like a record in that game for like 10 field goals, 10 made field goals. It was ridiculous. The final score was like 22 to 21, and only six of the points in that game were from touchdowns. It was just crazy. Uh, but before that, he'd been playing great. Let's go back to what is that, six weeks ago when he catches all six of his targets for 95 yards. Then he catches three balls for 28, four catches for 18 yards, and then the last two weeks were pretty solid finding the end zone. He had three catches, 28 yards, and a touchdown. Then he saw seven targets, five catches, 79 yards, and a touchdown. He has certainly turned things around recently, and he is a guy to look at. You know, it really comes down to your league, your position, your other availability guys, what you already have at tight end, all sorts of things as far as the start sit goes. But I do want to put him on this list because he's been playing so well lately and at 70% available, you know, it's always nice to put a guy on the list. As I've said before, it's nice to just talk about someone that should be available for most of you. Um, but let's move on. We got one more tight end to mention. Uh, finally, the last tight end I want to talk about is Dallas Godert. He is 39% available, and he's got a good matchup this week versus the Redskins. They give up the 10th most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. Now, the Eagles do not play till Monday night. I'm recording this Sunday night because I like to get it. Really, I'm an early bird. I like to get that stuff done as soon as possible. So I have to watch the Monday night game to see how he performed. But the last few games... He has been just a fiend for targets, and he has been a guy who's found the end zone a fair amount this year. So he's got, what is it, three touchdowns in the last six games. That's pretty good. But what I like is the volume. Last game, he had seven targets, six catches, 66 yards. The week before, he had eight targets, seven catches, 32 yards. Then he had three catches, 36 yards, and a touchdown. Four catches, three catches, four catches, five. So he's a guy who he, he just gets catches. He gets volume. And if you're plug-in playing a tight end in a PPR, league those catches mean a lot and they're going to ensure you that you could get just enough to win your game i mentioned earlier with noah fant if you're looking for a guy who has huge upside fant might be the go-to if you're looking for a safe option this week dallas goder especially in pprs is that guy to absolutely be played i don't know if he's got the upside i don't know if he'll ever be able to be the tight end at least this season with Ertz there i don't know if he'll ever be the guy to go over 100 yards and two touchdowns i don't think he quite has that upside but he's got a safe floor and he's been very productive in an offense that loves to use their tight ends. All right, guys. So thank you so much for watching this video. I appreciate everybody who watches this, who likes and supports the channel. As always, I would say feel free to leave a comment. Tell me that I'm dumb. Tell me that I'm smart. Ask me questions. Mention concerns. Anything that you want, uh, just leave a comment. We do appreciate the support, and I will do my best to answer it. As always, guys, we want to thank you so much. You guys have a great day, and God bless.